Hey everybody, welcome to Looming in the Numinous. I'm Mark the host, and the guest is a classic man named Colin Schneider. Colin and I have a few things in common worth note. We both have awesome ladies for wives, we both have two kiddos, we have dogs that happen to be from the same litter, and we also have cats that are not from the same litter and look nothing alike. We have known each other since I moved to town in 2014, and over the years we have grown and cultivated a friendship in which our conversations have led to growth as being husbands, fathers, and in general of everyday life, just doing our best to be good human beings. This conversation focuses on Colin's faith journey from growing up Catholic and moving to a more profound form of his faith and how it plays out in his life and his work. I hope you all enjoyed the conversation as I did, and... We'll see you after the show, maybe. Yeah, you won't see me. This is a recording. Ah, just in case. Just in case. You can't cut this. This is Stuart being a total <laughs> boss. <laughs> The, your, your master your three minute testimony kind of thing, or your like your five your it's, five minute di- diatribe. What's the word? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, like yeah, there's the evangelicals. It's the five minute testimony. Yeah, but I mean nobody nobody can sum up that. That's one of those things about like uh, cultural Christianity, like uh, that Sarah and I didn't talk about, but just like there's so many idioms within cultural Christianity, mm-hmm. like you know five minute testimony. Yeah, it's a thing. You're supposed to be able to tell your whole story and your experience. And it's supposed God to, it's supposed to be engaging. Yeah, yeah, and like the your distill your biggest perspective. No, mine that yeah. So I never had a good one. That's a good place to start. Is because I was in a house of privilege. I have wonderful parents. Um, youngest of three brothers. Um, and born, born nine, and nine years. Nine years behind my next. There. Um, yeah. Um, and so that was kind of like almost an only child upbringing, but, um, I think my mom was just kind of really, uh, happy that something else happened that, that nice came in that we're, they're Catholic. Yeah. I was raised Catholic. And so it was like, you know, like all family planning and, uh-huh. and whatnot. So there was never going to be like a cutoff point for them. And it's just like, so she was 40 or 41 when I was born. Um, Versus me, 33, and having a 10-year-old. Yeah. Although, I'm sure... I'm sure she also had a 10-year-old. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway. So, um, yeah, I just never really... like, And it's hard because you go to like uh, like a young life camp or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which I, ha- I have like a lot of amazing experiences. But so many of those things are kind of built around like pulling out these emotional things. And like as a kid who didn't struggle with a lot um almost had to like fabricate something that was like kind of like really big yeah and like some turning point or whatever just I didn't want to be left out but like really like it's just like for me like God's always had his hand on things Uh even when like I you know uh since moving down to Corvallis went through like this really like disillusionment kind of period Mm -hmm. um but yeah, it's just always been like... I also think that disillusionment period is called your early 30s. <laughs> <laughs> or late 20s, early 30s, yeah. All that stuff. Like, that's pretty good. Yeah. Probably, and then and then again, early 40s, and again. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, 
Well, let me ask yes. this too, because you you said uh, 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 you said camp. What the camp? Oh, Young Life. Young Life. Yeah. So did you go to Young Life camp? Yeah. Um, as as a, as a Catholic? No, no. So I was in. I went through First Communion, which okay. happens when you're ten. Sounds about right. Something about that. Um, but I left before being confirmed in the Catholic Church, which I think happens at thirteen. Oh, okay. Something and so it's kind of it's kind of a big deal to leave the catholic church yeah. um but my next oldest brother who's also like kind of like big he, a huge part of my life um uh left before i did so i thought okay. like oh, he did i'm just gonna go over here yeah um but went straight to like you know just like a non-denominational christian yeah church kind of thing so it's just yeah. I've only, I've only known about you that you're growing up as Catholic, but it's also I don't know at what point of your life you were no longer no longer Catholic. Catholic. And then I guess at that point you would have been a part of a non-denominational church. Yes, like you said, your brother was. Definitely. But like, where would you have identified yourself at that point as a Christian? Would you say you were Protestant? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, d it depends on how many like sects of Christianity you want to like explain to people, but. Yeah. No, I was just, I was like, I was just a Christian, and at that point, like, um, very conservative and yeah. stuff as well, just because that kind of towed the line with, like, my parents and, like... Well, and that's one of the yeah. things, too, especially going on right now that I'm, I'm finding with, you know, people of our age group, mm -hmm. is, you know, a lot of us went through this disillusionment period. A lot of us grew up in, like, a conservative household, mm -hmm. um, or just, you know, we were kind of more steered that way without really ever like questioning it yeah and i always say that like my upbringing in Nampa, idaho was if if you were a christian you were republican like you were yeah no yeah and it still exists and it still exists yeah and so many people do believe that they're like sinners and for me it's just like yeah it's just <laughs> but it's it's the same generation not across the board not to generalize it but it, it mm -hmm. seems to be the same generation where you're growing up with really sound moral you know like by the you know constitution or whatever but like yeah. the republicans like you look back at the old debates of like the first bush and um gosh i'm gonna butcher this i'm not <laughs> not political but like bush yeah. and reagan or something oh like yeah that. and they're arguing over uh immigration or things like that and they're yeah. both just like we are a country we're a haven like if we are who we said we want to be then like we have opportunities for these people and we are better for their inclusion in our society and uh -huh. our government and all this stuff. And, but like, like now it's just like how, how opposite can we make yeah. these sides of the coin? And yeah. like it's heads or tails, it's black or white. It's, it's, it's hard because I still like, I respect my parents so freaking much. Uh -huh. They're amazing people. They've, laid everything on the line for us like to have a, a life like mm -hmm. a business um, a family anything like they've just given and given and given um and they're still very very conservative yeah where you know i'm not but it's <laughs> but i just i just respect the hell out of them um yeah. and i think there's some like there's some forgiveness in there as far as like relationally or or what, whatever, but um, I'm kind of losing the tangent on that one, but I don't know. Um, I just think it's it's a mantle that has passed to us. Like, are we going to uh, 
as sons and daughters of a conservative Christian generation, are we going to uh, occupy the other side of the coin, or are we going to try and like figure mint, out mint a new mint coin? A new coin? Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. I, see, I, I love analogies, I love metaphors. Yeah, we can roll with that one. Yeah, so like, I just think it's really important, and why the same reason why social media it's so easy to just like pigeonhole what you see and uh -huh. only see the things that agree with you like it's so important to even if you don't agree with it like just like hear them out and like not be vitriolic in like your responses to it yeah but just like this is where they are like how how can i better have a conversation with this person not that i'm going to go out and seek conversations with them but like i just need to know how to behave in those moments to um bring up my point in a way that's you know, gonna put it in a good light and like just like have like an honest conversation and hopefully like I don't want them to completely flip. Yeah. I don't need to change that um uh what's the word? <laughs> conversion. Yeah. I don't need a conversion, but you don't know, be you yeah. know be proselytized. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I like get that. Um yeah I, I, and I always feel like really misunderstood when I actually haven't like thought out my like thoughts. Like <laughs> I I uh, I think it was actually just yesterday I did something I shouldn't have and I went on like an Instagram rage. Yeah. And I, I was just like upset by like a few things and then also just because I, I feel misunderstood because um, like for me growing up in my family, like I had a hard talk with my, me and my brother had a hard talk with our parents a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. at my brother's house. We were having like a day on the lake and him and I both just like kind of unleashed all this like hurt that we had from our growing up but mm -hmm. it was also hurt that we didn't blame them for yeah it was just you know just the circumstances of like the culture we grew up in and how we both felt like we were like held back by it and um but anyways my now thinking it it it's caused a lot of like the conservative side of my life like uh, that being like my parents and possibly some of my friends back home who follow me on instagram yeah probably just think I've gone completely blue, completely liberal, completely <laughs> Democrat, and I'm just the complete opposite. It's like, no, I actually just really feel like I am pretty centralized um, in like just how I see politics. And I'm not trying to look back and uh, like protect the past politics at all, but I'm trying to look forward to the future and what I think like, you know, in this coming season, what is the best decision for like my children? Yeah, like because they're not they're not ones who can vote, but they are ones that I am voting for as a citizen. Yeah, it is like my job to consider that, and you know, so on both sides, I see you know all the the right and wrong that they blame each other for. Like I, I see it, I can yeah. see it all, and I just side one way a little more than the other, and that's I, I agree, I, and it's disappointing on on both ends just and in the same thing that i get frustrated with people in personal relationships is just like the lack of ownership of what you're saying and what you're doing like mm -hmm. if there's if there's there's no way to get to a reconciliatory point if no one is taking ownership for anything well, all someone else's fault and it's just and if you and then if you also approach every conversation as a debate yeah like that yeah. doesn't help and no I don't, that, you know, that's part of me doing the podcast. Mm -hmm. I, I want to talk about hard things, mm -hmm. um, but I want to do it in a way where it's actually a conversation and I'm not trying to beat you down for what you believe. Yeah. I just like want to better understand. And 
Um, and that's just like what you know, is kind of like the driving force behind all this for me is mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm huge into the phenomenological aspect of life mm-hmm. that like no matter what I will never be or fill your shoes. Yeah. But I can try to understand it by like learning how to communicate with you. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. It's a good goal. That and you've got like a pretty solid, like sexy radio host voice. Oh so oh cool. I think the world is is ready to hear it. So <laughs> making my dad proud. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody had to carry it on. I yeah. would be retired. <laughs> solid. So, yeah. Good so, start. Good start. Okay. Uh, so the topic next is I'm just kidding. There's no list on the topic. There's no list. Um yeah, I don't I don't know. I just like I didn't grow up Catholic. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always like curious because like Kate feels like she's partially Catholic because um her dad grew up Catholic. Yeah. Her mom grew up Southern Baptist. <laughs> it's, both, it's almost like a hereditary <laughs> genealogy yeah. kind of thing now. I, I gotta be totally honest, I like like I kind of like fell in love with it a little bit again. Not in not in how it goes against like all of like kind of like Jesus's like idea for a church and you know small and whatnot. But there's something just crazily romantic about all of the, the ritual and like oh, what yeah, it means absolutely. and stuff. And so sure we were watching um there's no more like Catholic shows that come out. Like, it's not Young Pope. Definitely not Young Pope. <laughs> um, uh, Did you ever watch its Pope. sequel? Yeah, yeah, which was even crazier. Yeah, we, I, I didn't know what to do with Malkovich in that. But. Yeah, we. I think we watched the first two episodes. And we're just it's like, not the same. We couldn't get into it. It's. It gets. There was a couple points later on when Lenny, spoiler alert, I guess. Yeah. Does come back. Yeah. And then, anyways. Uh, there were a couple points that I found very, very moving. Um, yeah. Um, but no, it was uh, it was the, the two popes with oh, um, right. Hopkins and um, oh my gosh, what's his name? They have uh, such a perfect uh, Pope Francis. Um, um, it's, it's the guy who played the um, the like the the bird in Game of Thrones, right? Like he was the lead of the church. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the sparrow. The sparrow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he was amazing. Um, and there's just something about it, like, gosh, I don't know. The idea that you're electing the best of your clergymen and mm-hmm. they speak so much. And, oh gosh, I don't know. Like, there's just so many, I, I, and I can't, I can't quite define it, but I think probably just a huge part of it is just that there's a lot of nostalgia wrapped up in it for oh, me. Oh, yeah. Um, and being so young in the church, and like, I mean, I was, I was altar boy, I was like, I was doing like all that kind of stuff. And like, yeah. Um, something about the the ritual aspect of it, um, tying like what you're doing to like what you're feeling, and like having like all of these connections is just like really, it's, just, it's still, it's still special. Like, it's still like a lot of it. I'm like, I'm not sure why we pray to Mary or yeah. <laughs> all this kind of stuff, but um, yeah, and that's that's something too for me. Just like in studying religion, I love um, just all the ritual aspects that come along with it. But my issue with those things is that a lot of people take uh, those rituals as like this is their way in. Um, yeah, this is um, 
my currency that I'm using. There's salvation. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, but it's also hard to say because you, you can't get into the mind of each person who's doing it. But mm -hmm. you do know from like people that you've known, um, you know, just their, their habits watching. Well, I, yeah, how they exercise their spirituality. It's like, yeah, it's, it might be a little zealous, but I understand why you're doing it. And I don't think there's that, that freedom of to experience God, Jesus kind of in your own way. Like it's all the same person, but like for me, it was like, I, I have kind of like a weird balance between like processing everything very logically mm -hmm. and ideally scientifically, but also like there's some things I'm just like, I don't know where that feeling came from. That's gotta be something. Yeah. Um, but some people it's enough, like having these, uh, recitation prayers, like after, so confession is yeah. a big thing in, uh, Catholicism and I hated it. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I was also the age where like I think the worst thing that I ever told the priest when I was like seven or eight, like I pushed a kid on a playground. And I just remember being on the other side of this curtain that they have in the confessional and just like bawling about pushing this kid on a playground. Oh, yeah. And then like later on when I was like ten or eleven, I'm like, I've had impure thoughts. <laughs> yeah. As as you do. Um uh, but there's something about what comes after, like, you have been absolved of your sins, like, you are owning your sins, mm -hmm. and this is your penance. And, you know, they say, like, you say this many, our fathers say this many Hail Marys. Yeah. And you go out to the pew and you say, I'm there, kind of thing. And I think that's enough for some people to bring their heart into the right place for reconciliation. Yeah. The ownership of what you've done, the payment that you're giving. Mm -hmm. um, and then kind of starting fresh. So like, because it's, it's so hard to live under the yoke of something that you've done wrong. And oh, I yeah. guess that's where it's trying to get you. But like, it's so easy to exploit on the other side of it too. And just be like, I'm going to, I'm going to tell them I did something and you know, I'll pay this, whatever. Yeah. Say some prayers, whatever. And then I'll go on. I'm, that's good enough. So, yeah. No, that's something too, for me growing up, not Catholic. I, I mean, I, I grew up with a few Catholics, but I never, at that time really inquired about like what's that like yeah and but yeah just i never really like thought about it and i you know confessional is that thing that is always shown in like movies and, like, oh yeah tv shows yeah and you know like just looking back on it like hindsight in the way that me growing up in a protestant uh, sect of christianity like confession wasn't necessarily like a choice, but like something that was beat into you at times. <laughs> As a Protestant. Like, well, yeah, yeah, I and I, I guess I more mean it to like you, like when you knew you were caught and they were just trying to like get uh, out of you, like just admit, admit <laughs> yeah. to what you did. You yeah, know? like it, that. That's how I felt like a lot of like my growing up was in that world. But and I and I always saw this freedom though, and like knowing. I can go, I, if I was Catholic, I could, I could go see a priest. That's, that's a really, and in hindsight, as you're saying that, like, I'm like, oh man, like, there's, there's a, a certain amount of, like, public shaming that kind of, like, goes into some, like, evangelical or Protestant things. Because mm -hmm. before, um, Young Life, before I got really involved in that, there was, like, the Winter Youth kind of thing, which is, you know, and there's people, like, again, like kind of sensationalized, like going on stage or like the, the altar call kind of thing, like Kevin, can you like get off your chest and can you come on? 
Yeah. And there's people out there that like admitting to like some pretty heinous things. Yeah. And one, I mean, that that's great. And like, there's there's some like romanticism and merit to like doing something like that mm-hmm. and like outing yourself like that. But then there's also like kind of like the safety. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no less like hopefully no less convicting of like just telling another human being who has you know by the church been given some authority to pass along the forgiveness yeah from god so but i think that no matter what like telling a human being like is is the closest thing we have oh yeah to like kind of like getting this this yoke off and it's also just you know for a lot of like i really i really liked it like my ywam experience of it with having mm. like uh uh i would uh, every i think this is how it worked every leader had three like disciples yeah and and then like even that leader was like one of three to somebody else yes yeah and and it and it, it did create this chain that went all the way to the top of ywam where it was just like mentor upon mentor upon mentor and so mm-hmm. like there was this wisdom being passed down but there's also the the way of looking up towards them and like feeling a freedom to confess or like yeah uh, and even just dialogue about like you know i don't know like why i do this mm-hmm. and like i don't you know it's it's been in, you know uh like uh for me growing up my, i always struggled with porn mm-hmm. like mo- most guys our age mm-hmm. um like had a hard time with it um and that was a conversation that i got to have with my mentor that i didn't really even have with yeah. like friends of mine yeah and it was like a very freeing thing um and so yeah so there's there's that in it but then uh i don't know i feel like uh also in my growing up in my church like my specific church i never felt close to anybody older than me enough because a lot of it seemed like it was kind of impressed upon me rather than like just like sure hey mark how's it going hey mark we're scheduled for oh very very contrived kind of things like this is something that's supposed to happen i'm supposed to have someone older than me who's yeah. got the wisdom to share and i'm supposed to be able to like, talk and test but like this was very square peg round square, hole yeah 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 so um and i've been through all that so like i, I track back i just think i was really really lucky to have my brother in my life who is you know a few steps ahead of me um and uh And, and it's weird because like out of that I kind of felt like I needed to be this weird hybrid of a friend to like all my high school friends yeah and, and like rare rare chance that they're listening like I'm really sorry for like how over, overbearingly conservative and moral I tried to be yeah um but uh yeah I felt like I needed to kind of like be like this anchor of somebody that like partying, I wasn't going to drink, I wasn't going to have sex, I wasn't going to do all this stuff. And I had my vices for sure, but like, yeah, um, yeah, and I, and all that to say, like, I think you and your wife experience, like, I love, like, and that, it's like a, it's a very biblical kind of like, even outside of, uh, biblical type stuff, I think it's a very, um, sound way of bringing up. Uh, leaders and mm-hmm. uh, people like and like you need some conviction and you have to have a balance in your life of people that are 
you can just be open in yourself with and like not be on under the spotlight. We also need people that you um want to impress and yeah. want to be a better version of yourself. Like Yeah, well you know, that's uh a buddy of mine, I uh I'm, he was on a this is actually him being interviewed on the podcast mm-hmm. and uh he's being interviewed by a guy who's not a Christian and uh, this buddy of mine is a He's one of those Christians that Christians have a hard time believing he's a Christian. <laughs> yeah. um, but he even just said, he's like, I like love and follow Jesus because like, it doesn't even matter if you believe he's God, like the ideals that were left behind by his legacy, yeah. like challenge me to be a better person and be better for the people around me. And, yeah. you know, and like, to me, that's what Christianity is really just all about is that Jesus came to show a better way. Yeah. To treat people. It didn't have to be under this these confines of like religion. And, yeah. Um, and so to, it's just it's it's nice to be able to like I feel like in our age of Christianity, and it's hard to say. There's probably other times throughout mm-hmm. the two thousand years of its history where people just like felt free to be Christian, but it is hard to believe because there's a lot more authority and oppression in the past. Yeah. And we are evolving as people, but it is. I feel like I've just met a lot of like free Christians and I've been thinking about this. Have you ever seen Little Big Man? You need to watch it. Okay. Um, but uh, the it, the premise of it is it's uh, Dustin Hoffman's main character. Mm-hmm. He's a you know white kid going west in a caravan. Mm-hmm. He's attacked by Indians. The Indians take him in and, and he learns what it's like to be a human being. Mm-hmm. And um, and then also right now I'm reading, uh, I'm reading Dune. I've never read the book of Dune. And, uh, and the thing that really drew me into it was that when I was like considering reading it, I saw the appendix first mm-hmm. and the second appendix is the religion of Dune. And I was like, oh, I'm going to eat this up. <laughs> <laughs> like the it's thing that, the thing that caught me was that, um, uh, you might know because you've read it, I assume, because you're, you're a sci-fi it's, guy, it's, right? I read it when I was way too young, and yeah. I need to reread it. But the 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 Reverend Mother, the bit um, she yeah. yeah, when she's talking to Paul, she's just saying like we you know sift sand through this this the like the screen so that we can figure out like who the actual humans are. Like mm-hmm. that's what these testings are for, is what she says, and like and she's meaning that from my understanding. I'm I'm only a, like I'm not yeah. even a full like chunk yeah. in, but just from like my shoot of that interpretation it's like that is her way of using her religion to discover who like the true people are but i also haven't super read into like what that religion is but yeah um i guess what i'm getting at is there really are like real genuine people who are christians but there's there's also uh, very genuine people who are not christians <laughs> and and at the end of the day it's this is where like i have the hardest time with uh, Western Christianity is because mm-hmm. there's so many voices saying like what it means to be a Christian mm-hmm. and I think a Christian really is is just displaying like your love for Jesus by striving to be a better person for your direct people around you your community and mm-hmm. um, and we just put too much emphasis on like the words that have been said about what it means like the interpretations that have been taken out of scripture yes I, I and I think it's important to really latch on to the distillation or like the, like the actual like heart of 
that, that term, like, means to me, like, there's the heart of the, the batch that you're brewing out of the mm-hmm. still, stuff like that. Yeah. You, you could think about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's timely because I was having a conversation with a friend just last week, like, and he's just, like, uh, kind of grew up religious, um, but just, like, had, like, a lot of questions and, like, realizing, like, then he's been, like, really kind of wronged by things and, like, had didn't have like a lot of like biblical knowledge or like around why um we do the things we do or say the things we say or anything but yeah just kind of like trying to distill it down to the things that make the make the most sense those are you know uh commandments are mostly sound but they're meant to protect us they're meant to make sure that you're treating your neighbor like you want to be treated like you know all that kind of stuff um and then Jesus kind of really, yeah, paving the way of that whole story and how that reconciles with a lot of like the Old Testament prophecies. And, um, but he, like he, he came and he showed us he's, he is the answer, but he's also the metaphor for how we can answer a lot of these things ourselves. And like he left and he, you know, uh, if it's, if he, if he said it and it's true, then he left the Holy Spirit to help her with us and he's given us the authority to do mm-hmm. these things. Yeah. And like those those people, those genuine people that aren't Christians, like those those are our neighbors, like and what do you what are you gonna do? You're gonna like evangelize them and like say like hey, I really appreciate you. I think you're a really awesome person, but you know, if you don't believe us, I don't know if you can hang out, like Yeah. And then everyone wants to like go back to the um what's the passage, the evenly yoked. Or, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, do not yoke yourself with anything like that. I'm just, uh, it's it's, it's hard, hard to believe that that Jesus was that way, like that he was somebody who was like, eh, I can't hang out with you because you don't have the same ideals. Like but he wasn't at all. You know, and that's what I'm yeah. saying. He wasn't like you know. I recently um, was hearing uh, a pastor talking on the uh, passage. Of scripture where Jesus is talking to the Greek lady and she's the one that says even the dogs eat from the scraps on the table mm-hmm. and what was pointed out to me in that sermon is that like this is a woman speaking to Jesus who is not Jewish at all mm-hmm. but is that in fact like an enemy of the Jews in spirit and mm-hmm. um, and he's talking to her and she's actually correcting his theology his Jewish theology and and he like takes you know, he takes her advice and like he changed his mind. Hmm. And I've never heard that like preached in that way before. Hmm. Um, but what I guess I'm getting to is that uh, there's also just so much about how the Bible's been used throughout um, like my growing up and the lessons that I the lessons I got in my first 25 years of life and being very much a part of the evangelical Christian movement and just popping around in different pockets of being denominational to non-denominational and, um, <clears throat> where I can like now see how like the Bible has been used as it has in the past mm-hmm. as more of a tool to control yeah. um, the, the adherence of, of the church yeah. and that's something I feel that like I broke away from I like moved after I came back from YWAM. Yeah. Because my break from YWAM was not an easy deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I 
but it's also the, the, the part that was like just weird to me about it is that people who were like mad at me for leaving were throwing scriptures at me mm -hmm. like to make me feel bad about my choice and then I had uh, other people telling me uh, you know God told me that you're making a bad choice. Just like, God told then me what to is, break up with you. Set <laughs> my high school <laughs> But it's just like, I'm hearing, I'm hearing God speak to me differently. And mm -hmm. you're telling me that God told you to tell me this. Mm -hmm. And, and I really do think that that is something that grew out though, for me of growing up in a place where the Bible was used as a weapon or a tool to like manipulate. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, coming back from YWAM, like, I slowly just started pushing back more and more yeah. against the religion of Christianity, mm -hmm. the institutionalized religion of Christianity. Mm -hmm. And uh, during that time, uh, my mom was absolutely terrified of like where I stood. You know, she's very, yeah. uh, very, very conservative, mm -hmm. like lovely lady. Yeah. Um, she's the best lady in the world, as, as I've always yeah. described her. No, you want to fight about it? You want to fight about it? Um, but yeah, like she was worried, especially when I was doing religious studies at Oregon State. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like she was getting worried. Like Kate was getting worried just that the stuff that like I was, uh, you know, I was going through it all. But I was also I never I never once believed I wasn't following the path that God was leading me on. Like. And that's something that I always had to keep reassuring yeah. them of is like, I feel closer to God than I ever have in my life, mm -hmm. but I'm also not a person anymore who like, I'm not in the word every day and I'm not sticking to a devotion and I'm not, you know, necessarily in like a men's group or anything. Like I, I still yeah. like go to church and I have community through church, but I also deeply, deeply care about all of my community and circles outside. It's a full body health. Yeah. It's, yeah. Really relevant for me. You have to consider you healthy the entire body, not just. Yeah. Um, you said something I wanted to jump on, but now I'm trying to remember what you said. Um, scripture has told that for control or mm -hmm. for um, justifying certain actions. Exclusion, and I was, I was trying to think. Like, I wish there was a short list of things that you could know for sure. Like, reading scripture in this way, double check kind of thing. But like, it's it's we have a sh we have a short list, I think. Mm -hmm. You might be able to help pull it out. Or like, if it if it's used solely from a position of hate, yeah. Um, if it's used from a position of exclusion based off of something other than like faith in Jesus or something like that. Like so, when you're other people. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but all of those things, I mean, anything kind of like going against like an example that Jesus would have given us. And like, I think it's it's cool that you had that one of like where he's like, oh, I changed my mind. And like, part of that's like, did God change it? Well, God's changed his mind through all throughout scripture. Like, well, he's, he's that's, changed by that's a thing that evangelical Christianity will push against. Yeah, well, that that's what I was saying is like, change. he doesn't change. Like, and, and it's that's. <laughs> That's the weird tangent that I was gonna step on for a second. Is like, did he, did he um, hold that uh, belief of uh, scripture or whatever um, on purpose so that this person would then 
knowing like contradict him, he would know that he was gay. But that's yeah. a whole that's a whole other that's that's a whole other can of worms. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I I, ha- I have no <laughs> no wisdom or intelligence enough to kind of try and tackle that. But um, but I would also say that that's one of the things in scripture that's very much open to interpretation, mm-hmm. which is oh, yeah, which is absolutely allowed. Yes. <laughs> And the other thing, um, another really good conversation I had recently um, with um, an older fellow that I respect immensely, uh, but we have kind of the same position like me and my dad or my parents have, but like just very opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the one verse, like all scripture is valuable and, you know, for reproof. I forget the exact terminology, but like good yeah. for teaching and reproof, basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But one side taking that as something that like everything should be literal mm-hmm. and the other side being like, it's just good for teaching. Do you, like, I can learn so much from, uh, you know, a probably satirical, um, satirically written scripture of Jonah uh-huh. and being like, you know, I, I, I fully believe like if there's a God that can create the universe and everything can happen, like he could absolutely make a great big fish that could swallow a person. Yeah. But I think I've learned so much and don't have to hinge my belief on whether or not there was an actual archaeological fish big enough to swallow a person. Right. Yeah. I learned so much from this analogy and metaphorical book written about a guy who tried to go to the opposite end of the earth to get away from his responsibility. Yeah. And no and no matter what, God was able to bring him back to Oh yeah, to, to like to righteousness or like to to heal basically, because mm-hmm. even after he got back to where he, where Jonah was supposed to be in Nineveh, he still <laughs> was a dick. Oh yeah, <laughs> but and so that I, I kind of try and use that um, as like a bridge point of being like, yeah, like I completely agree. All of Scripture is valuable for teaching and reproof, mm-hmm. but that is not um, exclusive to the Bible being entirely literal. Like yeah. Is written by human authors and we were made in an image to be incredibly creative mm-hmm. and like sometimes like there are different people and they experience god in different ways a lot like you have like in your um leaving wire and stuff and, like how it was so important for you as a christian and your growth with your relationship with god to like experience humanity outside of just you know like this this little pigeonhole Mm-hmm. place that you're in but yeah. i kind of i, I kind of resonate with you a lot on that too it's like i the more and more i grow and the more i appreciate and the industry that i work in is full of so many different people and like i've just learned to like love excuse me just to love everybody mm-hmm. and like and that exists so far out of the realm of what we assume like a christian can be and like a lot of people a lot of but, them aren't but yeah and you know so let's get into that because you're you're a coffee culture guy, sure. Not not the not the That's coffee okay. shop in town. But, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's an unfair they, they name. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're great. They're great people too. They are great people. Like, yeah. yeah. So, but um, but it is. It's a culture. Just like I'm in the craft cider culture, mm-hmm. and um, and to me, like, you know, being a, a guy who studies religion, um, I can see the coffee culture and the craft brewing, craft cidering. Uh, industries yeah. as a religion. I can view the NFL <laughs> as a religion because what religion oh is at its no, base yeah. is 
connecting. Like, you know, the 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 best uh, the best known terminology or the etymology of the word religion is the word leg. I don't remember if it's like old Greek or whatever it is, but it's L-E-I-G, and it is the oldest root word we know for religion, and it means to knit or bind together. It's mm. it is about making connections with people. Um, it's why like one of my favorite albums, uh, and you know this isn't the realm of Christianity, so a lot of people who aren't Christians won't know these guys. Um, but Beautiful Eulogy's first album is titled Satellite Kites. Mm-hmm. And it's based on an excerpt from the pastor of the church that the three of these guys were going to at the time. And he's talking about the laws of physics on, on a kite string. And it's like, you know, just imagine that you're the kite, mm-hmm. you know, and you're up there soaring in, in the clouds and you're looking down and seeing everything and all the beauty for what it is. But it's like, what is keeping you like there? And it's this taut connection of that string where the person on the other end of that string is is, is God in this analogy. Mm-hmm. And it's like what happens when that string snaps and mm-hmm. like the the kite will fall and just shatter. Mm-hmm. And you know, and it's not that just we each are one kite, but like or we are all we are are all our own kites, but we are just like one big collective kite. But like yeah. God is like the like, like a big net. And, I think Seth had like a similar yeah. analogy with like the, the trolling net and stuff like that. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and then you even get down on like the very like uh, you keep going with like the like the idea behind physics and breaking physics down to as small as we can. It's like we know that like my fingers touching right now, like on the very molecular level, are not actually no, touching, question. but they are <laughs> they are connected by uh, whatever is pulling those like nano things. Mm-hmm. together and so it is it's just like life to me i see it all as like what connects you to other people what causes mm-hmm. you to gather with other people yeah and i have you know i have watched your coffee grow because i moved here right before you guys opened your first shop mm-hmm. and it's just you know what has that been for you like hard all that. yeah i'm sure it's been hard <laughs> that's, well that's that's not coffee coffee's Coffee's easy. Um, business ownership is hard. Yeah. Hey everyone, Stuart here. Just wanted a quick update with all of you. Our editing process has fallen a little behind schedule, moving, job changes. This year has been crazy for all of us. But wanted to let you know that we are still planning on doing a full season. The episode of myself is currently out as episode zero, and we aim to do 15 episodes. That is technically 16 episodes, but that is our season goal. And just wanted to remind you all that we do have a Patreon, Looming in the Numinous Patreon. It's very easy to find. Um, You can find donations that way. You can also contact us directly if you wish to be a donator personally. But either way, we love doing this podcast and we're just going to make it happen ourselves if need be. Um, We are very excited about this new year. We're very excited about this new president. And there is a lot of hope 
happening around here. That sounds really stupid. Um, I don't know. I don't know where to dive off on that. Um, this is so much sorry, but like, I, I think it's been really cool, and like, I, I've learned a lot from some other people in the industry that I really, really respect that are Christians and like have like just been in for a long, long time, and just how well either because of the environment that they know they're in, like just mm-hmm. how diverse it is in uh, sexuality and gender identity or um, anything like that, or race or anything, um, but just how well they love people. And like, I see so much of who Jesus was in that. And so like, I looked at that and I'm like, that's, that's what I, I can relate and really do. Yeah. Um, so that, that sounds great. And like the, the greater coffee community, like competition side of stuff, which we've been able to be involved in, um, we're just super encouraged because there's increasingly more and more diversity in who's on the leadership councils and stuff like that. And for me, that's just like more opportunity to love people. Um, not, you're not, not uh, proselytize or anything like that, but just like, just, just show them, you know? Show, show them. And then I'm sure them. with these competitions, there's probably people you bump into it like competitions like yeah each one yeah that you probably develop some sort of relationship with. yeah yeah and that's that's what's cool to me like i just like i love those networking things yeah uh, hopefully i've done a fair job of not sounding like a like a total introvert jerk which <laughs> for the most 90 percent of the time that's me 10 percent yeah. of the time i have the energy to be it yes. oh, see, stories, face, stories i've heard of uh, you, you, and your your introversy. Uh, I heard about. So I wasn't present for any any of these happenings. I'm excited. <laughs> I, one that I heard that just like cracked me up was you were you were hosting events at the the Southtown Coffee Shop, oh, yeah. and I guess you just like at some point during the shindig just I, went downstairs. I, I share a birthday with a very special person um, who I adore, and and it was there. Uh, big 40th and it was only like my 31st or 32nd or something like that yeah um and i liked it so like those events i like to be i need to have a task uh-huh. so i was like kind of behind the bar like trying to serve like you know people drinks or whatever um and at a certain point i was like yep i'm good everybody <laughs> got drinks i'm gonna go nap <laughs> just peaced out it's my birthday <laughs> yeah like it's my birthday but, but i want <laughs> but that's another tangent i just i just have never I like, I mean, I don't dislike my birthday, but I don't like my birthday. I don't like the, the fanfare that goes along with it. Yeah, so. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, I, uh, I can't remember when I stopped, like, caring about my, like, actual birthday, and I, I kind of, like, made a, a, I kind of made fun of it by celebrating my half birthday more. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Where, where it's like, I tried to make that a bigger deal because I thought, for me, it was just funny, and then, like, my whole idea behind it was, like, um, you know, if it's your half birthday and you like absolutely love Twix, like yeah. I'm gonna go buy a Twix, but I'm gonna eat one of the Twix and give you the other for your half birthday because you only deserve half. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it also it also invites the uh, the sharing aspect though, yeah, which is actually what it is more. I I kind of negated it, but yeah. the whole idea behind it for me was actually a positive thing, where it's like 
just it's your you know let's, let's celebrate you and like share something yeah you know let's break yeah. bread together but exactly this analogy was Twix no so. I love that yeah I just like I, I think of like birthdays now or like any occasion where like people are like gonna actually ask for like what I want to do and I'm just like can we do something together like I don't I don't I don't want to have the uh, the pressure of like finding the right cool event or place to go yeah I don't so like, I, just wanna, like, can we just hang out? I told Kate for a while I think um I always hoped I, I never said this out loud to anybody like I never told anybody this but I always just waited to see if it ha would happen and I I always hoped that for my 30th birthday I would have a surprise birthday party yeah it didn't happen yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um because obviously I wasn't like you know out there promoting it because I didn't want to because yeah. I don't want to throw my own party I just wanted you know if somebody's gonna wants me to have a birthday party and they plan it and make it a surprise. Yeah. And so, you know, my lovely wife, she didn't know, obviously. And she's like, how was your birthday? And I'm like, yeah, it was good. I was just really hoping for a surprise. <laughs> so she threw one for me on my 31st birthday. Yeah. And that was super fun. But, like, my request was, oh, this is the other side of it. If it was going to be a surprise birthday party for me, I had to be roasted. <laughs> and so for my 31st birthday party, I had... Uh, my old boss from Flat Tail came, and uh, uh, Stu came. There was just a few people there, but they all just had like good and bad things to say about me. But like, it was also me giving them the floor. Be like, just tell me who I am to you. Like the things <laughs> I do wrong. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So, but yeah, it's also I, my worst fear. <laughs> being arrested. Having everyone pick out the things that I intrinsically. In, or internally know or wrong with me but having everyone else hear them too yeah. uh, i think i need the confirmation of the stuff i know that's internally wrong with me. oh like, yeah i just i want to know like if i'm doing better at about it I guess. yes yeah no I, I appreciate that criticism a lot when it's people that i care about presenting or even like not like even in the moment i think that's something it's also really hard about being a boss if we can tangent back a little bit oh yeah yeah um is the way things are presented to you and it's 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 okay to like have like a lot of feelings in the moment when you're being corrected mm -hmm. and like understand like i you know i don't i don't do well when people um correct me in the moment about X, Y, or Z, or like I prefer it when like I, you know, this way or that way. But like, there's there's just something like I don't think we see enough of like the heart behind things. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like an old-fashioned way, like because uh, I worked for uh, my dad's business when I was growing up. And I was like, so before I was like, you know, knew it would be able to work or whatever. Yeah. Um, and just do like random jobs around. Uh, the shop. He was a he was a well driller in an irrigation business. Yeah. Um. And so it was like it was, it was like some like pretty big like organizational type stuff. And if I got caught doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing or something was wrong, like, it was literally just like don't do that. Do it this way. And sometimes it was like put them alongside or whatever. But like, there's never going to be like a hundred percent right way. But there is a hundred percent right way to respond. Mm -hmm. 
And I think just like having like the gamut of like different kinds of bosses and growing up and like learning to be a better professional, mm-hmm. like I've, I've kind of, as a business owner and, and boss and manager, I've like tried to, I've tried to be very accommodating, but like I think the hardest thing is just to like show people your heart and where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, while also still like having the kind of authority where you can give a proverbial like slap on the wrist and like wake people up and like bring people along with you. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you can ask any business owner though, and like there's always like periods of like you start and you've got so much energy, you've got so many ideals that you want to show your customers and and just like what you want your business to be. And then slowly it kind of becomes um, mostly for better, some for worse, like this amalgamation of what all of your crew wants it to be and like you kind of like shift and you exist in this amoeba type state of <laughs> like, yes, we'll take this and now this is no longer part of us and then this is now in and it's for a person as an introvert that loves stability and like yeah. knowing what to expect, um, it's, cr- it's crazy because <laughs> I've had to change myself um, as the business changes too, like as oh, long yeah. as this is my profession, mm-hmm. as long as it's my responsibility to then kind of like take employees and try and make them better, um, hopefully for their own benefit more than it's just like for mine or for the business, but it's, I don't know, man, it's, it's just weird. It's just really, Yeah, I think that's that's probably where like that whole disillusionment period came along. Is like, am I am I actually doing a good job? Am I actually like, yeah, doing what I set out to do? Like, make better professionals. Like, and a lot of that now, especially like exacerbated by COVID and like trying to make people feel safe. Mm-hmm. I think we're definitely missing out on a lot of opportunities to make people better people. Yeah, and a lot of that is having the same thing we've been tracking with is like being able to have conversations with the people you disagree with most in a way that's in a way that you can connect over that yes. disagreement. <laughs> There's the connection. Yeah. Full circle. Full circle. <laughs> we did it. Um yeah, no, that's that's interesting. But yeah, I guess I guess like something that this is like a hindsight observation of you, but uh, I guess I have like seen you and Anne both grow as professionals because I, I mean, you and I—I've known you for six years, but we—we like we were kind of, we we kind of started off on and off friends. Like mm-hmm. we'd see each other in passing, so yeah. say hi, and we'd be at some of the same gatherings. And I would say it's only been like since uh, I don't know, the last couple of years that I feel like we've actually been like hanging out more frequently. Yeah. And and I, I guess in that time, it's like I, I I know that you guys are business owners, and I know some of the stuff that you guys have had to go through, and like grow through okay. um, but yeah like all that everything that's happened for you guys in that has forced you to grow in some way and I I guess I can say I don't see you guys growing in a negative way like I, I see you guys yeah. doing well and you might not feel that way at times but and that's okay yeah. is the perspective like I need the perspective outside of people who don't know every single detail to yeah. say like no, from from this from this viewpoint, I think you're okay. Yeah. And like that's super important, um, because it means that I 
can kind of pull on the reserve of the community of the people that I'm connected to and then like, you know, put a lot of that energy back into the people that need to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of acknowledging your existence in the middle or my existence in the middle. Um, helps me be really flexible mm-hmm. and I think it's it's words are hard man words are really difficult the, the thing you have to remember about words is that they're all made up so <laughs> if you need to so, make up a word I might I don't know um good thing that scratch was only a little um It's, it's just a, a, a position as a professional that I think people people that do it, you can, you can still be successful and do it, but people that, that in my opinion kind of do it wrong are people that pick a hill to die on. Oh yeah. And just like exist there and like you are coming <clears throat> to me and that's what this is and it leads to I think a huge symptom of that is like a really high turnover rate. Yeah. And like if you can be like, oh, it's hard, 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 hard. It's like you, you keep expecting people to come to you, but like when you're, um, oh, I got a great email that um, from Bill Zip recently, like a couple weeks ago, but like if you're being a, a leader, like a German Shepherd, and like always barking at the heels of somebody to get them to like come to you. Yeah. But what happens when that German Shepherd's not around barking at the heels? They like stop running. Mm-hmm. They're they're not gonna try and keep ahead of like this motivation. Mm-hmm. But if you're like pulling them along, teaching them the fish, yeah. to speak, and they kind of like you kind of try and infuse like some joy of what you're doing, even and especially when it's hard. It's like no one wants to do the hard things, but like you have to show them the value behind it. Um, even if they don't get it in the moment, like you've got to be hard enough to to motivate them, but also gracious enough to like take the time to explain why this is important. Mm-hmm. It, it, oh my gosh, man! Bill could have said it well, way better, <laughs> but um. Regurgitating what you hear is not an easy thing. (laughs) Yeah, Um, but I I I like I get what you're saying though. It's um, there's there's just this like you have to take like something Kate and I have like learned in parenting. I'm actually I've been learning this from Kate, Um, (laughs) so I I don't I I don't know where she learned it. I think she just started doing it like even before I came along. Was just like taking a minute to like kind of like pray or meditate on like what's going on yes and you know and when you think about there's that saying of like you know next time you see like the opportunity towards your dreams like just take those 20 seconds and like go for it like you don't know what could happen in those 20 seconds yeah and and i and that's what i've had to like really learn uh just i guess during this time uh of like covid because I have been stuck in this house with my wife and my two children and Stu and Sarah and though I do love and care for all of these people deeply 
you know, you know the, the various ways based on the relationships that I, I have with them, they all also can drive me crazy. And I've had to, I've had moments just where like I couldn't hold it in, and I just like I always feel guilty whenever like my anger comes out in the wrong way. Yeah. But um, I feel like I've been getting a lot better at that as this year has come closer to an end because I've had to think about that more. Like, is this really how I want this conversation? Is this the hill I want to die on? Yeah. Is this how I want this conversation to go? And I also thought about that too because my mother-in-law, one of her sayings to Kate and her brother growing up was, is this the hill you want to die on? Yeah. And she always tells us that in terms of like dealing with Eli and, and Cece. Um, but the more I think about it, it's like, is this the hill that I want to die on? And like trying to get my kid to do something they obviously don't want to do. Yeah. Or is there something else, like another route I can go with them? And so I, in that, I've had to like learn how to not be controlling. <laughs> and it's, it's a, it's a fine line. And, and it's also an easy thing for a grandma to say. It is. <laughs> it is an easy thing for a grandma to say. <laughs> But I, I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, I can practice that a lot more. But, um, yeah. And I, but I imagine though, still, like, that's just stuff that you've had to sift through as, as a business owner, as like learning what areas you need to like let, let go of control or even just like put things you want to control in the back burner. Yeah. And because, yeah, obviously, you guys. You're pioneering something with, with with tried and true and just bespoke bespoke work. Good stuff. Is it plug? Like good stuff. <laughs> um, no, don't sue us. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're not gonna hear it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you guys obviously had a dream and a vision when you started this, and it is happening. But it also might not be yeah. where you want it to be quite yet. Um, yeah, and I don't like. I'm pretty open to like it being something a little different than what we set out to be. Because yeah. I'd, I'd rather be something that the community can like rally behind and like feels like some ownership of, and like and like that's the part of like sharing. Like I don't like. I never wanted this to be about like what Colin and Ann Schneider said about what coffee should be in you know. College town or any town, mm-hmm. um, because like we wouldn't exist if we were just like what I want to be. Like we would just be serving like three or four drinks, mm-hmm. and it would be like a little kiosk, and I would own I would own my job until I died, kind of thing. Yeah. Like a zero dreams of sushi kind of thing. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Go on. Come on. Take it. I'll pick it up later. Well, something cut this out. Stu, cut this out. <laughs> Stu cuts out what he wants to cut out. You don't tell Stu to cut out. <laughs> I'm sorry, Stu. The um, all-knowing. The all-knowing <laughs> Stu. Um, something, too, that I, I... This is something I've thought about, too, in uh, you know getting to know you and uh, knowing what you're a part of culturally with coffee and... I think a big thing that a lot of the public gets uh, lied to about is uh, like the competition, I guess, in various forms. Hmm. Where I guess my example would be just for me, like um, 
like uh, I want to be appreciative of you know what the public would deem the enemy, right? Are we still talking coffee? We're still talking coffee. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, for me, I guess it would just be like when I worked at Flat Tail, like yeah. I had an appreciation for other breweries and, yeah, and their yeah, restaurants, yeah. and mm -hmm. being with two towns, I still have an appreciation. Does that mean I think that they're better than mine? No. Yeah. Or do I necessarily think that I'm better than them? No. Um, but, you know, there is a way to, like, help each other out and, uh, to, like, promote each other. And it's, like, and it's, yeah. it's good. But I guess what I was getting into is that I remember being a part of debates and, like, you know, I would say between, like, 2008 and 2014 where I was, like, I'm making a stand on, like, this is the best coffee in the world. This is the best beer in the world. This is the best yeah, cider. Yeah. And I realized that that was all just like, like vain, <laughs> vain conversations to have because yeah. I became like, okay, I guess a, a good segue for this would be like talking about like wine and what makes wine so good. And mm -hmm. mostly what makes wine so good is the dirt that the grapes grew in uh -huh. and like the region. And it's the same thing with like, whiskey like there's so many whiskeys so they yeah. all have different names but yeah. they're still all whiskey but they represent their region and there's yeah. things to appreciate about like the way that you make coffee versus you know how mm -hmm. uh you know joe's down the road makes coffee yeah and i don't know and i think for and me also knowing you you that you've never given off this vibe of I, I want to be king of coffee or anything like that. Oh, I feel like you, you, it's, it is a lot of pressure, but I, but you, you have always been somebody like you've been humble in this way. And like, you know, you represent something bigger than just yourself and like what you, uh, like what you were doing with coffee, you know, you're, I feel like you were representing something bigger than tried and true and bespoke coffee. That's kind of an image yeah. I see. I think it's mostly just chronic self-doubt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, which, if uh, you're not manic depressive, is actually a really cool tool <laughs> to be able to use to like never be satisfied. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like every every time I taste coffee or dial in espresso in the morning or whatever, like anything where I taste it, I'm like I'm looking for the fault in what I've done. Mm -hmm. so much and then i'm also like every time i try someone else's coffee i'm like what did they do right yeah um and so like there's there's always that dichotomy um and it's it's kind of i i, I think i think that i figured out how to make it a very healthy thing yeah um because i in most scared of in my professional life as a coffee person um to find the the hill i guess um, and like find the thing like well yeah this is different it's just everything else that you guys do is different but like i do it this is my hill and like these are just the, the certain practices that i'm always going to uphold and always do and that's going to be me mm -hmm. even even if quantifiably it is of less quality than something else like this is this is just it yeah um but i i just really want to be the same kind of coffee professional and roaster and barista and owner um, that I want to see um, the people that I respect the most and Christianity kind of do the same thing. Yeah. And like, that's just like, be a part of the connective tissue 
Let's see, marry everybody together. Um, adapt. Always be willing to try something and, and grow. Yeah. And I think it's it's just kind of built into a lot of these industries. Um, as science gets better and better, mm-hmm. like Two Towns is not the same company as it was ten years ten ago. years ago. Yeah. I hope in another you know five years or four years. You know, the four years when we hit our 10, yeah, um, that like we can look back and say, like, wow, we were doing some pretty weird stuff back there. Yeah. Um, but we were always on the pursuit of quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and quality means not settling, it means challenging. So you always have to have like that, um, the good kind of competition. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of it. Yeah. But it's not just culture, it has to be quantifiable in some way. At least for coffee. Yeah. I like what you said though, just about quality. And for me, it's my mind always just jumps to quality over quantity. Yeah. And you know, you can take quantity in various different ways. You know, like I get to do instances like it would be how much money am I making off the coffee, or how much yeah. coffee am I putting yeah. out. And but the qual like quality is just a whole other aspect of uh, you know what you do. And like I guess we could get into this because your coffee is called the stuff, which means mm-hmm. To craft Custom something, to it's, it's like take your order. time, yes. Yeah. And and like that's something for me in my construction days. That you know, I worked for my best friend's family growing up, and I don't actually know if I heard anybody but my best friend say this, but like he always kind of tooted the horn of like, yeah, we're more about the quality than the quantity. And for quantity, at him was like uh, more of like the like being fast paced about yeah. it, and like it's like why do the job if you can't do it right yeah you know and and so like that's something i think that got drilled into me in my construction days mm-hmm. um but it's also it's cool to see that that's like a thing that's you know real and tangible for so many people in what they do like for you for coffee and uh, for for lee with two towns like that's that's the thing as far as i'm trying to get lee if you're listening i want you on here (laughs) (laughs) but yeah lee just has you know he has that passion behind two towns like you know it's i know i like him and I get into like good conversations and stuff, but like I wouldn't say like we know each other super well. Yeah. But I can just tell in like talking to him that his he is like the heart he's the Charlie Conway of two towns. <laughs> he is the heart of the team and like he's what keeps it going. It's like looking and it's cool to like be able to see, you know, him and you as people like just in this town, this community, people know you and like you're doing a good you're doing a good job. You're doing a good <laughs> thing for, good. you know, not just for you, but for the community. And it's, yeah, so it's just, it's cool to see. Um, one more thing I want to talk about. So this is an offshoot. Mm-hmm. It kind of ties into a lot for you, mm-hmm. honestly. But um, all I really know about you and Anne is that you've known each other since <laughs> you were 16 years old. Yeah. And you guys have been pretty, pretty formative. Like, You've been together since then. Yeah. Not going anywhere either. Um, uh, I don't know, jumping off of uh, Sarah's episode, I guess, like as far as like soulmates and stuff like that. Yeah. I kind of miss a little bit, but like I, Anne is everything I could ever want. She is beautiful. 
um, <laughs> and challenges me in all the best ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but is also probably more gracious than I have any right to receive either. Yeah. And so I think it's something that both growing up in really conservative households and like kind of walking through our early part of our relationship and like sophomores in high school and just kind of like having like some pretty strong convictions and sharing those together. And then also uh, after being married and having a kid or two, like walking through the disillusionment of that upbringing Mm -hmm. um, and just the graciousness she had with me uh, after moving here and like just like processing things like and I'm a very internal processor and yeah she was just like incredibly faithful and giving and all of those positive adjectives that you want to throw at uh, yeah. someone who's just an amazing spouse um, so where then did you where did you meet her like, what, like do you remember like the first time I remember the very yeah yeah I do um, Newburgh High School um, in 2002? No. 2000? Right around the millennium. Somewhere around there. Yeah. So, anybody listening born past 2000, you can stop now. Um, (laughs) um, In one of the three or four cafeterias in the high school, it was the one that served Domino's, because Domino's was was the cafeteria we were eating. Um, but uh, my best friend at the time actually had a crush on her. But I, didn't, I didn't know. And, uh, we kind of met in the, in the cafeteria. Um, I think the first thing that I said to her that she was wearing a beanie was like, do you snowboard? <laughs> <laughs> um, she's like, no, I don't. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Or whatever. And then Somehow we we had those um, weird travel toothbrushes. We each had one in our bag, like the ones that you like. Yeah, you pull, pull apart, apart and, and then suck yeah. back together. Yeah, and we're like, no way! It's amazing. It's so cool. Um, <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> um, even though, <laughs> turns out, like I'm, I have a not a, not great dental hygiene <laughs> in high school. Um, it was all for show, um, but it was enough <laughs> to impress her. We'll say that. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, we just got to be really, really good friends. Um, and that, so that was freshman year. And then sophomore year, um, uh, she was dating some jerk for a while. And I was kind of chasing this other girl for a spell. Um, but we were like pretty much best friends like, yeah. all through that. We had like a little journal that we read to each other. Oh. Um, you guys still have that journal? Uh, I don't know if we have that one. We have a we have a couple others that we've been we we keep. So and, like, pass like, off pass off in between classes and stuff and like write like. So it was basically like a, it was like a notebook. <laughs> yeah, but I, ne- I never had to yell at her. What do you want? <laughs> um, yeah, kind of. Um, and then uh, she left the guy. Even after that, like we always like kind of like knew, like we were gonna end up together. But like even after like our her high school breakup, always breakups or whatever. But even after that, we were like, okay, let's take our time. Like, 
let's just chill. Let's like friends. Let's um, talk about like what this would look like or whatever. And even though they didn't deserve it, like gave like kind of like an appropriate uh, space of time between the breakup and the new relationship. Yeah. Because um, nothing funny ever happened um, during those things, and so appropriate space of time in high school is also uh, about a month. Yeah, so. <laughs> approximately. Yeah, approximately a month. Um, yeah, and rest is kind of history. Yeah. What was like the? So obviously, if you guys were already friends, you guys had gone on like hangouts and like. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. With but a lot like, of yeah, other friends, right? A lot of really close friends in the circle. Really. And what what was like the first like date? Um, I set the bar way too high. Oh, so you, you've just been dropping ever since. Yeah, <laughs> I set it way too high on the first one. Um, the first date I took her to Cape Kowanda. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and packed a whole cooler full of like croissant sandwiches and like grapes and stuff like that. Um, we hiked up to the top and laid out a blanket on top of Cape Coanda, Um and ate uh, food yeah. um, and kissed. And, <laughs> and then uh, brought her uh, back home to my place and had like a bunch of helium balloons uh, filled up and then like 10 things I, I love about her, like, oh, stuff wow. into the balloons. Yeah, you, and so you we really went all out. We, uh, <laughs> uh, would uh, sequentially uh, cut them open, suck out the helium, and then, and then <laughs> kind of read the things. Okay. Um, that has to bring me to another thing about you, but you and your voices. <laughs> uh, I, need, I need more practice. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll get back to that. Okay, yeah. cool. If anybody <laughs> wants to play D&D with me, <laughs> please. Um... <laughs> but that was yeah that was kind of it um and it's so weird the 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 way that we actually ended up starting dating um uh we were at my parents house which we lived on a christmas tree farm a little, a little like five ish acre on the on top of shanghai mountain in newburgh um but we went out for a little walk and i got down on a knee to ask her to be my girlfriend <laughs> Which is a little extra, a little ambitious. Uh, yeah, um, I was that was that was high school me. And then um, uh, as she sat on the knee that was up, uh, I was in a gopher hole and I fell over. <laughs> so, but it was it was appropriate, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that reminds me. So I have one. Uh, well, I guess they'd be two friends. I don't. I haven't seen them in a few years, but they're. Uh, husband and wife that I grew up with, like mm -hmm. we, uh, I think Krista came along in third grade, and Zach and I have known each other since first grade. But I think they started dating like seventh grade, and they and they're still together. And yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. But Zach's, if I man, I might have to ask him about this next time I see him, uh, which I don't know what that'll be, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, when he proposed to her, he pr I think he proposed like right after we graduated high school. Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, they'd already been together for five years. And, yeah. Um, and then that's also just a thing that happens in Idaho. People get married pretty young there. And uh, anyways, he he had the ring in like his boot, and so his plan was to like, you know, do the boot trick. Like, oh, I don't 
tie my boot while I'm down there, I'm gonna grab the ring. Well, she, I guess, like sat on his back. So like, you know, he bent over and then she went behind him and just like sat on his back, like while he tied his shoe and just like, no, <laughs> like grabbed her. It's perfect. Yeah. Uh, how did you propose? Um, and how long were you guys together? Or four you... years. Um, to the day? I think. We'll go with it. We'll fact check it at the end later. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to listen to it too. <laughs> Pressure's um, on. Yeah. Um, No, it's for Eastern Bay. Um, we'll go with that. Anyway, um, just had the point. I'm gonna dig a hole there. Um, <laughs> uh, I she knew it was coming. I mean, there's no surprise. I didn't I, I, like because I got so bad. So I set the bar way too high. Yes. And then I uh, backslid so bad that like if I told her to block out a day, like don't do anything this day. She knew like something was coming. Yeah. So like it was like uh, don't do anything to say. <laughs> um, but four years after the day we started dating, um, I um, bought a bunch of roses and I basically did all of the um, Corinthians things about like what love is, like patient, kind, you know, yeah, and all those things. Um, and I thought I was really artistic at the time, so I like I hand like pencil shaded like all these little tags that like got attached to the roses okay. and kind of took her out on this drive to the coast um where our first date was um and kind of like every so often like pulled one out and like gave it to her um we got to um nesco in uh where there is a rock called proposal rock <laughs> 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 and uh, hiked out there. Um, it's a it's a bit of a, a trek. Like it's a, like you actually have to like kind of like climb a little bit to get up to the point where you're on top. But once you get on top, it's just there's some trees and like lots of like underbrush and stuff. Uh, but walked out to a little viewpoint on the far side, gave her the last rose, and then proposed. Yeah, she said yes. Uh, I'd be shocked if she didn't. Uh, yeah. Um, That's just so cool, man. I just, I don't know, like, Kate and I are such a different story, but, and so it's not like, I'm not, like, jealous of your story, but it's just, it's a cool story. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, it's the same way where I, I think I got jealous all the time about people's stories of, like, finding God or, like, going through, like, these really, you know, the, the Christianese, like, these very dark deep valleys mm -hmm. and like kind the of dark of the soul exactly yeah. um and even have like friends right now that are going through like really like crazy times and like there's a, there's a part of me that like that's very glad that i've been privileged enough to like have like a lot of stability and um hopefully enough wisdom to like be beneficial to them but there's mm -hmm. also the part of me is like i i would have benefited firsthand from these experiences too and like been in like a position different kind of wisdom i guess yeah um but everybody has has their own path um I, I, you kind of have to believe that there's a some intention 
behind who you end up being and how you're able to connect with different kinds of people. Because mm-hmm. even though you know, your kite analogy or the net analogy, like a net has like all these different kinds of knots, like mm-hmm. even though you're not on the same thread as, um, you know, these people over here, like you just have different kinds of experiences, but like you're just like, you're intended to be uh, beneficial and helpful mm-hmm. to someone. Oh yeah. And like, that looks well, different to everybody. And that's the other thing too, like even no matter how hard you try to yeah. be the beneficial or like being a benefit to other people, yeah. you don't actually know once you part the benefit you may have had or you know maybe the curse that you had on them <laughs> and that's just the one thing that it's just it's so crazy to me because it's like i will never know and like obviously i didn't because i'm not I'm not a perfect human being nobody yeah. is but it's like i will never know some of the hurt that I've caused people dude but, no oh my gosh yeah, yeah i but, can't <sighs> but i will also never know like a lot of the good i've done for I mean, you only hear about it if those people actually like bring it to you. And like, I think that you do hear a lot more of the good stuff you do for people than the bad. Yeah. But um, because I, I think if you do hear the bad, it's very much in the moment. Yeah. And it just turns into an argument. And it's just like, it's not a good way to go about a conversation. Yeah. But, um, and, I, and I think that that's been something too for me as I've gotten older, like the discussions I've been having with like my siblings parents and just about how like I'm growing and developing and how I don't see the world the same way that they do yeah it those those have been like hard conversations like you know I mentioned the conversation I had with me and my brother had with my parents and it was just like it was a hard reality for my mom to face yeah and the and so this the, it and I understand why what I told her is is that like I'm really just tired of Christianity in the church that can be taken in so many ways. Mm-hmm. But I was also like, I had to, you know, have a, another talk with her later on. Mm-hmm. About, like, I'm not saying that I am done yeah. with Christianity and the church. I'm just very tired of it. And um, I don't want to get into, I don't want to get into my, my qualms with Christianity right now. It's more about like, mm-hmm. I, I like, but I knew in that moment when telling my mom that, um, I, I saw the hurt in her face like immediately because she took it as like mm-hmm. she was a failure. <laughs> like yeah, like she tried to raise a good Christian boy, mm-hmm. and and based on what I had told her in that moment, it sounded like she, like she had lost me. And and so and and that's just an example with like my mom, yeah. you know, somebody that I'm going to obviously talk to again. But it's just like, how many people have I said, I'm just so tired of Christianity in the church too. Oh yeah. That like took it and didn't like hear it in the way that I meant it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like what I am, what does cause my woes with it. Um, it gets so misunderstood. And I guess we've talked about that too. Like I, I have a really hard time because I, I have a hard time like forming my thoughts in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And like, I, I think I talked about it in Sarah's podcast mm-hmm. where it's just like, I am thinking so fast in my mind that my mouth can't actually <laughs> keep up yeah. with what I'm trying to say, which causes me to fumble and like say things, you know, in the wrong cadence or uh, just like in the wrong uh, pronunciation altogether, yeah. uh, or just even in the wrong context. And, yeah. um, and so it's it's something I've been trying to like 
you know, it, again, it comes back to being in quarantine. It's the stuff that, like, this has been a part of me my entire life. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's something I'm trying to work on and grow in. It's like, how am I speaking to people? Yeah. And I also came upon this because I'm always telling Eli, like, do you pay attention to the way you speak to me? <laughs> like, sometimes. And, and, you know, that's really, like, hindsight again this is me walking away like is that really how i wanted that conversation to go no i don't want to be yelling at my son yeah is that really how you want to speak to me do you pay attention do you hear the way you're saying this and it's like why do i why would i expect that of him if i can't even like control that for myself and yeah. so it's just it's that's for me something that's like been hard like uh i guess with my qualms with why when because yeah I don't I know I hurt people when I left I tried to like make amends with it and explain to the best of my ability like why I was leaving and like one of the big reasons I left was because I was I had just gotten engaged me and my fiance at the time didn't want to actually it was more that we revisiting the past oh what was it I think it was more that her parents didn't want her to be in YWAM anymore. And like, I had been feeling pulled away from it anyways. And, uh, and it was kind of like, man, her parents manipulated that whole thing. But anyways, (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah, it was just, there, there was a lot of hurt that went with me from YWAM and probably a lot of hurt I left with YWAM and Mm -hmm. it's conversations that may never happen or ever get reconciled. I have gone back to like my old days in that time. I went back in like 2014 or 15 and did have good conversations with some of those people and had like a good time. But I also don't feel that I got to have like the full conversations that I wanted to because I kind of showed up on them. Like, yeah, like a lot of people that actually thought I was coming. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, and so that's just. I guess that for me, I'm just trying to get into that mindset of like, am I going to actually be the person I, I like expect to see uh, in the influence I hope I project? I guess kind of that makes sense. But just like, am I really being like me with like my wife and kids? And, yeah. And what I'm saying to them is that really how I want us all to grow together? And am I doing that in the right way? Um, because I don't get to have the conversations with everybody like I get to have with kids. Yeah. And yeah, not everyone has the time to appreciate the context. Yeah. You. Yeah. What you're, where you're currently. And really, really what this all comes down to for me is that I have like massive FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've had that with it. But yeah. I get it in some ways. For the most part, I just. I just like my alone time. I like yeah. my unit more than time. I've been appreciating my alone time more these days, but <laughs> you don't have a choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, man, we should probably wrap this up because we're getting to that about two hours. Stu's gonna have like thousand edits. Oh, Stu, you are a champ. <laughs> But Colin, man, it was good to have you on here. Yes. And uh, you're welcome back anytime as well. Uh, and I love you. And I love the progression of our friendship and just our families. And 
uh, that's all just coming together because I just I look forward to more conversations with you. Yeah. Either behind the microphone or not. Yeah. Here we go, man. <laughs> all right. Thanks, bud. Thank you.